time to go into auto reverse with Tony and Max, where we look at bands that were underappreciated, misunderstood, forgotten, and to some unknown. This week, we're going auto reverse on Peter Green's Fleetwood Mac. So uh, this one was a tough one. Yeah, I am um, like Digital Underground, uh, where I underestimated it. Uh, with Peter Green, I under revered it, or maybe over revered it. I can't, I can't tell. I think I over revered him, and that, and then play on, and that, and also uh, the solo record. Um, well, the one that I got recently, I really love uh, in the skies. Right, right. But even the, uh, but even the previous one that came out years before. Um, the end of the game yeah is that, the, is that what it's called it's, it's, it's yeah. like it's like all these things are like holy grail type records to me um and that i would i think i was turned on to him in like 96 97 i didn't know that whole history of fleetwood mac with him in until i was well into my 20s i had no idea and uh and it was it was definitely a revelation i know i use that a lot that term but it was and and then i may i may have really like built it built him up so much that it the, uh, the notion of trying to do this on auto reverse kind of scared me does that make sense it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't i mean i get i get what you're like i want to i understand how you could revere him but i wanted it because of the the lack of output like how could you like what's the the over you know to how you over respected him or over adulated ad, adulated him if that's even a word um i think i i think i played then play on so so much i think i've gone through like three copies I th i've played it so much i i've stared at that fantastic like sort of middle ages artwork um and 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 just really spent so much time. And then even recently, I heard in the skies. Um, I don't know about a year ago. I mm -hmm. stumbled upon it on Spotify um, on the album, and I and it, it has definitely that production of like seventy eight, seventy nine, eighty. It has that production, but his tone, which they talk about a lot, that sweet tone of his, yeah. the sweet sort of, yeah. it really does, does such a great job of expressing emotion, right? that even on that album that had kind of shitty 80s production in the skies i still can hear that and it's it makes it, it i mean that that's where i over revere him it's like i i'm so like trying to get in tune with him always that i i maybe i'm borderline like obsessive right. and so that's where i feel like maybe i over revere him where i'm obsessed with what he does even though like you said his output like became less and less well, as time went on right i i honestly don't think you could you know shower too much on the guy because there, there's a number of reasons and some of it i would i would probably was i was a little bit more on shaky ground thinking think with that thought uh and then the more i listened to the thing through this uh exercise I came to understand him like, man, this guy, uh, I mean, look, he, he goes to playing the John Mayall's Blues Breakers. He doesn't, it, look, he doesn't just 
go play for the band. He replaces Eric Clapton <laughs> at the time. That's at amazing. The, at the time that he was, the Clapton is God thing was everything. And uh, you could they make call, it. They call Peter Green, Green God. The Green God. And you know what? Yeah. I used to love that. <laughs> John Mayo and the Blues Breakers with Eric Clapton album. I used to love it, but dude, when I heard A Hard Road and I, f oh. and I figured out that that wasn't Clapton, like I said, like, oh, Clapton made two albums with him before he left for, you know, Cream, but no. And like even the Freddie King instrumental, because like Eric Clapton did Hideaway, the Freddie King instrumental on, mm -hmm. on his album, and then, you know, Peter Green does the stumble, um, and it's like it's. In my, I took as kind of a wink toward Eric Clapton, like you could do that. Well, I could do that too. But oh, that's the best. And that when people do that, when they're competitive and not in a nasty no. like you know your mama sucks. It's more like I'm going to do what you do and do it slightly different. And maybe interpret it as better, but slightly right. different. And that that's the beauty of, of, of that sort of competition in music, you know. Well, but, uh, but, but, in that, but in the case of Clapton and Peter Green and Jeff Beck and Jimmy Page, I mean, it's just like, it's not about who's better, right? It's about... No, not really. I mean... Who, it's about what flavor do you want to have tonight? I will... Like, that's really what it's about. And if we, you know, the thing is, is... I tend to lean toward the people who do the most more interesting things, which would definitely be Peter Green and Jeff Beck. They yes, yes. they do they take they go out on limb a lot more with their both their playing and the songs that they write. But anyhow, the Peter Green thing, like, <laughs> but I digress. <laughs> I digress. <laughs> I'm getting all like guitar geek. <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah. I know. I, I could see your mind going in it, like just floating away. And, and then like, when you compare hey, him to hey, wait, I'm, I'm still here. I'm still then here. Then when you compare him to Hendrix, and then, and then, uh, blah, 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 I know, blah, blah. I know. But, but, I, but you know what? Even though I, I'm not a guitar player like you, I, I understand that. You well, know, and I get it, and I, and I can, and I can kind of engage in that those conversations because as long as we're talking about soul as well as technique and. Every, everything else, all the parts that make it, it's still interesting to talk yeah. about. And, you know, uh, the things that, like, there's the saying that he would, he, when he played his slow, solos, he would actually turn his volume down just so he could get that, he could create the, you know, kind of control the mood and the feeling that was going into everything. Uh, I can say that, you know, the type of, how expressive he is with his guitar i don't think there's really too many people who can touch how expressive he is i mean he, i agree he definitely took thing out of less is more book of bb king and there's so much of bb king in him that it's it's more like i it's the vibe not the template of what um bb king did i mean his singing and his playing is just trying to really get you to, he's t telling you a story with his guitar lines. Um, but anyhow, the, the, the arc of him going to, from doing John Mayo to using that, I think John Mayo gave him studio time, him, McVie, and uh, McFleet gave him studio time to record the album that became the, uh, 
I think the first song they wrote was Fleetwood Mac, which is actually a instrumental. Um, and they catapulted that up to starting their own band. And they were predominantly like a straight blues band. And then they yeah, had, those first those first records oof. like uh, English Rose and uh, I forget the name of the other one. I'm, uh, Mr. I Wonderful. Should, I should, Mr. Wonderful. Mr. Wonderful. Right. Yeah, they're like they're like eighty percent. Uh, blues like you know covers or whatever but there's that 20 percent where you could you could hear the the birth of like then play on and you know you could hear the birth of like more progressive yeah well, black Ma- well like black magic woman's like a good yeah almost transition and albatross is kind of a nice transition that has elements of blues but mm-hmm. um it's their own thing it's their own thing it's their own thing. I mean, and, and and let's and let's rewind the tape on Auto Rewards for a second. You were talking about BB King earlier. BB mm-hmm. King, he he was glowing about um, Peter Green. He said he was the only guitar modern guitar player that gave him like the chills. Yeah, and or or what he said, cold sweat. Cold I believe sweat. He might have used. Yeah, yeah, cold sweat. So, like that's pretty. Well, Dude, he, that's, and, some, that's and, some crazy shit right there. Well, he know? also said that when I people, he's like, I'm flattered when people say that BB King, I was a big influence on Peter Green, but when I hear Peter play, I hear Peter Green, not BB King. That's and, right. And, and that's, that's a, right. Hu- I mean, that's a huge thing because, yeah. the, I mean, there is a lack of pretension with his playing too. That let's say Clapton and Hendrix and some of the other flashiers, like, I think that his concentration when he played was completely in into what he was doing like he, he, he to get every whatever he was feeling in the course of the song playing he tried to he tried to bring that out of the notes and i think that he get, did the band like it was like when you read all the articles mick fleetwood john mcfee they were like this was his band there was no mistake he was the star but he didn't. He refused to have the band named after him because he's just like, look, I want to be in a band. I just want something that, you know, I want to feel like I'm a part of a band. And there's probably going to be a time where I'm going to want to leave. So why would I leave them stuck with my name? You know the thing about peter green and, and and maybe i'm going on a tangent here and pull me back if you need to it, it was his frailty like his his vulnerability and his mm-hmm. playing and that it, and that's what speaks to me i feel like it speaks to you as well um but it was that though that the vulnerability that i think 
may have kept him from being up there on like we've talked in previous episodes on rock mountain and pantheon of blue you know english blues guitar players of of their era i think he's not there partially because of his style but also and then also because he did a fucking sid barrett and right you know thought he was jesus or whatever and disappeared did too much lsd um but that was just mental health, right? Yeah. Which is the same thing that that was going on with um, Sid Barrett. So it's not even cool to make fun of it anymore because that's what fucking that's what happens to people all the time. And but I think that's what kept him from being a more renowned, you know, guitar star or whatever band leader or both or both. Well, I think that you know I, and I'm 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 guessing at this, but I feel like you know because he's there's this this unassuming and lack of pretension and just like I like to play when the adulation and the money started coming in I mean that's something that you got to deal with in a that's something different than the thing that you got into the music in the first place for so and some people Mm -hmm. cannot handle that and I heard reports of him ripping up royalty checks for fifty thousand dollars because he's just Mm -hmm. like I don't this is not going to do this isn't going to serve me well at all I, I can't you know, I can't do anything with this. This is evil, or this is this is something that's evil. That's I'm I'm just in there for the music. I mean, the guitar that he bought that '59 Les Paul. You were talking about the tone, um, and that guitar is like you know one of the most um, renowned uh, uh, guitars because just because they has the the unique tone that comes out of it, which was which really was kind of a I read a little bit. Uh, that it was because they at the shop or the Gibson shop the magnets were reversed on one of the pickups so they had to reverse so when you had them in in the rhythm uh, position or the, the with both pickups on they had an out of phase sound that was really unique but you also need you doesn't know, Kirk Hammett own this guitar yeah so it used to <laughs> so it used to belong to Gary Moore and Gary, yes yeah, and who, was, who 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 loves Peter Green um, yeah I don't know how Gary Moore got the so, I'm curious. so because they became friends and then peter green's like i i i want someone to use this to have this guitar he's going to use it and the thing that i was going to say he sold it to him for the same amount that he paid for it which was three hundred dollars <laughs> so isn't like, that isn't the thing worth like a million dollars oh something yeah like now? Hammett, i think paid like <laughs> over two million dollars for it <laughs> i mean he could have taken like amazing. He could have he could have just taken maybe about fifty thousand of that and just had someone at Gibson make it for him. But I guess you know. Anyhow, um, but there's let's not let's not float away. Let's let's yeah, let's ground ourselves. Away. Let's ground ourselves. Let's ground. So you know, let's talk about the arc of the the, the relationship because it. They brought on Jeremy Spencer, who's more of like a solo guitarist. A solo, right. solo, uh, solo guitar player, uh, a slide guitar player, not solo, slide guitar That's player, right. and it's not much of a songwriter, but he does add, you know, he, he uh, you know, uh, rattlesnake, uh, what's that called, rattlesnake, um, shake, rattlesnake shake, and a bunch of, and some of their live stuff, he really brings apart, but he wasn't much of a songwriter, and didn't bring a lot to the table. Uh, he was a vibe. He was a vibes guy. Yeah. Yeah, and he, you know he joined the religious cult later, 
and made a record, like a religious record, like Jerry Spencer and Friends or some shit. I, ha I have it. I own it still. It's not a very good record. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> it looked good. I saw it in a store and it was 10 bucks. I'm like, yo, Jeremy Spencer, he made a solo record. Well, you know what? Oh, this is going to be good. And I take it home and I'm the, like. The coolest thing he did, Jeremy Spencer for the band, and is did that song, uh, Somebody's Going to Get Their Head Kicked In Tonight, which is mm -hmm. which is a, a pretty cool song that someone, I forget the band that covered it. But like they made that on, it was like a B-side of Man of the World. And they, mm -hmm. they made up some fake name like Peter Valley and the Valentines or something like that mm -hmm. to do it. But so, you know, they had that dynamic um, where Peter's like basically doing all the work. And then they bring in uh, when they started uh, uh, um, then play on, they brought in that 18 year old Danny Kerwin, who which really was kind of like a ying to Peter Green Zhang in terms of playing and really worked well in the dynamics, especially on that album. And I think like Jeremy Spencer only played piano on then play on. He really had like a very minimal role on that. But mm -hmm. the, the play on the, like, if you listen to like, um, um, like their live stuff, like the Boston, if you can find the Boston albums, really, really good. And then, you know, Danny Kerwin wrote Coming Your Way and One Sunny Day and uh, Although the Sun is Shining. And, you know, he wrote a lot of really great songs, but his, also his guitar work was a good counterpoint to uh, Peter Green's. And, that's he died, and he died last year, uh, Danny Kerwin. Yeah, I think he did. And, and, and also, we didn't mention this at the beginning of the show, but... Peter Green passed away last, you know, this past week, and that, and I, I don't think that's why we're doing this show. No, but uh, but it gives it a, a poignancy, I guess. Well, here's what it is: we talk about we talked about that all the time because when you hear Fleetwood Mac, uh, you don't think of any of the Peter. You don't. Peter Green never comes into conversation. It's, you know, Stevie Nicks, Leslie Buckingham, Lindsey Buckingham. What did I say? I think you said Leslie. Oh yeah, Leslie Nielsen. <laughs> Leslie Nielsen. He could. Like, he, he could be still be Lindsay Lohan. Lindsay Lohan. Lindsay Buckingham. But you know, there's such a difference between the bands um, that it's um, and it's funny because the, I think you it would have been very difficult to have the second the second act of Fleetwood Mac without ha it's. Peter Green's first act because that kind of laid a foundation for Mick Fleetwood and John McVie so they could kind of explore different new different sounds because they are both basically blues uh, musicians at, you know when they started out and it kind of they evolved because I think Peter Green pushed their styles to evolve to like to Grant Green Manalishi like that song is like like other like that's just like one of the trippiest most kind of lyrically musically it is just a twist and turn down an ominous road that you know you you just you're scared and you're not scared you're digging it but you're you know you're you're just you feel the dark clouds of whatever was in his head that he was trying to get out and it's it's interesting that you said twists and turns and that song has lots of them but if you think of Fleetwood Mac's history after Peter Green, you know, after he left, 
um, and you think of John McVie and, um, and Mick Fleetwood's journey, if you also see like different record, like diff- the different records that came out, Kiln House and Bear Trees and right. stuff, and their styles kept kind of changing. And they would have different collaborators. At one point, it was Bob Welch. Yeah. yeah. And at other points, Danny Kerwin was at, especially the early, the transitional ones after Peter Green left. D- Danny Kerwin's the one that's kind of sort of leading the creative charge. And it's it's interesting to like w- sort of watch them do that, and then into this like sort of California sunshine, cocaine and breakups and champagne you know rumors tusk and all, all yeah. those all those records and and also the sort of like songwriting team that then collaborated with mick and john of uh lindsey and uh lindsey buckingham and and stevie nicks because they had made a record before that uh, buckingham nicks which I, in my book is a very good record no, that's a good album. um it's a good album so it's it's interesting to see what they've done that's why like in the playlist and the fleetwood mac playlist which is 84 seven or 88 percent peter green okay and even some of the previous stuff like we talked about john mail's blue breakers blues breakers and also the stuff he did with rod stewart um what's the name of that band oh geez um uh what was the name of that we'll we'll get we'll go back to it let's put a pit in that and so (laughs) So, so, so the, even though the playlist is mostly Peter Green, I, I, I did touch a little bit on Kiln House and a Bear Trees song and just to kind of, I, I, you know, to show like what happened after it because it is somewhat informed by what happened when Peter Green was around. And also Peter Green played uncredited on like on a, a bunch of Fleetwood Mac songs after he left the band. Yeah, Penguin so and Tusk. He was, yeah. yeah, exactly. And he was, so he was never far away he just wasn't the creative lead anymore, you know? So yeah, I, I, they're a fascinating band, they yeah, are, especially because, because they've had Mach one, Mach two, Mach three, Mach four. They've had all these mocks, you know, and yeah. that's always well, just like got, Deep purple and other bands, you know? Well, another, the one person who really bridged that two thing was Christine uh, McVie, who played in Chicken mm-hmm. Shack and Chicken yeah. Shack and Fleetwood Mac played out a lot. And they yeah. had her play on, I think I know she's on them play on. I she, I think she plays on another album uncredited uh, before she kind of came on into the fold. Uh, I think after they got married, frankly, her John got married. Um, but um, yeah, it's you know, it's something that I wonder. Like his his path was never going to stay with that band, no matter what happened, mental health or otherwise. I just think that the way that he went exploring, like. Let, for example, let's take a look at the end of the game, uh, mm-hmm. which which didn't come out too much later after um, then played on. It's like two. Yeah. It's like a year after, and it is a wild departure from Fleetwood Mac stuff. In the it's almost it's almost I'm not and I don't mean this in a bad way to anyone out there listening to the three of you listening. <laughs> uh, it's almost unlistenable in some ways there's a lot of experimentation going on you know sort of like just weird not enough there's bits and pieces of jams jams and songs and stuff but it's a really hard record to that even when i bought it and i was excited to buy it i love the artwork on it with the jaguar whatever is on it and i love that and and then i i love the album but it was really it was really hard to 
get to get into N- not unlike and not the record that's way different the solo record he made after after that one years later in the skies is definitely more of a song right oriented record where it's like 10 three and a half minute songs with a you know with a jam or two here and there so it's interesting how like crazy he like he just took the would you say he took the green mile leash or like sort of like idea and just took it further on that record i just think that he just it's almost like a reset because i think like the first time you listen to it you're kind of whatever your expectation is it just gets you know five knuckles right to the face it just gets smacked you get just smashed because it's not anything that you would expect i will say though i the more i listen to it the more i like that album because there are some really really cool songs on there um and his Guitar work definitely is little. It's trying to reach in different directions. I You're li- talking about end of the game, or yeah, the end the of the game. In the skies, yeah. I like, but that's like kind of like I almost felt like he downshifted a little bit when he did into the skies. Like the end of the game, I think he could. He was going into a cool direction, and if he would have pushed, it, you're right. You're right. He would have yeah. pushed it in into, the skies. In the skies is mellow and kind of almost jazzy like you know that kind of soft jazz and times which by the way you know that appeals to me just like disco does and other far-flung yeah but like that song was a indulgences slabo slabo day it's just basically yeah two chords two two or three chords and then he solos over those two or three chords it's it's interesting but it's like hey my guitar teacher's giving a concert this weekend at the mall (laughs) do you want to (laughs) go you're such a jerk well that's fine that's fine that's fine uh uh, i gotta get i just just like listeners gotta get smacked i gotta get smacked sometimes too um be brought back to earth but you know the thing is is like you listen to the you know the thing is is like when you listen to the playlist and it's a great playlist in terms of its variety is that certain things like they if especially if you put i like i usually listen to it through a couple times and I put it on shuffle and just sometimes it's jarring like having um you know you're listening to uh like shake your money maker or uh how blue can you get that bb king cover and then it goes into one of the songs from you know from the end of the game which yeah you're just like whoa what the you know it's kind of it's it's like some demented yeah, because you're right. Like the songs, like the first song, I think is like almost ten minutes, and so it's it's a different experience. And I think that that was something that interested him more than anything is like trying to go in different directions. And you know, you hear various stories about whether it's the drugs, the, the toll on everything, and mental health. I think it was a, a number of things. The guy lived at home pretty much with his family for most for most of his life, and it, he had a hard time dealing with his fame where. You know, other guys like clapped and embraced it. He indulged, indulged in it. Yeah, yeah he it... wasn't one. He was more. Yeah, he was a he was a musician who happened to get famous and then didn't know how to deal with it. Uh, and, and that's you know, that's art. You know, art, art, art changes once the art is successful and and well known. It like well, it has a way of affecting the person that makes it. And the people that that like it, right? Frankly, well, I mean that, and that's like kind of 
that's a big that's a big thrust of, of our conversations and auto reverses well, yeah talking about that you know there's also like a sense of you know when you talk about a listener's self a fan selfishness and like my selfishness is like well geez if J- if jimmy could have made it to 40 years old what kind of what kind of interesting things would he have done if peter green could have kept his stuff to, could, could have kept things it could have had some support and could have had a little bit, had a little bit, a little help bear, with bearing and managing it all. You know, where else? Could, what else kind of stuff could he he could have done after the end of the game and tried to? It's like those are the kind of things that you you have a selfishness as a as a music fan because you're just like you see that if things would have been steered just a little bit with a little bit more kindness and love, he they could have be they could have got something else out that would have truly rewarded us. But you know life isn't fair and some and those things happened and you know well and and i know i'm gonna probably take this show over the half hour mark with what i'm about to talk about but i'm gonna <laughs> do it anyway just because i right. think it's pertinent you, you know someone reminded me of amy winehouse recently i, I really liked her mm-hmm. i thought she made good music and she was an interesting person but one of the reasons that she died so young i think she was 27 and mo- i think it was from drug related if i'm not mistaken so the one of the reasons that sh- that stuff happened to her that where she just c- continued to be self-destructive and 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 doing um you know uh, taking substances is because her father was her manager or was somehow you know kind mm-hmm. of um leading her career or, or guiding her career and he wasn't concerned with um her health or mental health or any any health and just wanted her to keep pumping out the music and i think she even talks about it in that song rehab right um so and 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 so i feel like and and the same thing happened to me when i was running tp records i had the brian jonestown massacre on the label and at the time anton the main guy we we were riding, you know, high off the movie, and we were selling a lot of records. And Anton was being self-destructive and drinking a lot. He's sober, from what I understand now. But we, in my own way, we we were like kind of looking away from that problem and right. trying to, you know, have the goose continue to to lay golden eggs. And I feel like that's what happens with a lot of people that make art and make music is that they're not no one even in, even in, in modern in the modern age of, mm-hmm. of 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 where where mental health is taken seriously subs, uh, substance abuse is taken seriously and not just you're not just like vilified for it um i think people that are managing the artists or the or the or even the musicians that play with the artists they're they're not they're not like they're looking away from the problem right. and, and i think that's and and not, not to go on this crazy tangent but i feel like that, that there was that it's it happened to peter green it's happened it happened to hendrix it happened to sid barrett people right. just looked away and didn't know how to deal with it and in some cases because they they didn't want to they didn't want the gravy train to stop and other and other instances they didn't know what it was right right so well it's a lot to manage and you know even with the people yeah. who do make it through there like when uh, danny Kerwin, he started playing it you know, joined fleetwood mac when he was 18 years old and for basically four years just pl- played uh, and toured uh, nonstop. Um, and then he had a breakdown, he, alcohol abuse, and they had to kick him out of the band because he was just way too destructive. But it was, but it was 
basically brought on an issue because of the they just kept pushing the band like okay tour tour for a year go record for three months go go back out and tour and that non-stop cycle of just like you know keep the machine rolling rather than like look guys take three months off don't listen don't listen to any music and then come let's get back together and then write another album which is you know it's it's the healthiest way of going about it but it's you know if you're not if you're not doing anything you're not making money for the label you're not making money for the band and yeah it's there's a there's a degree of like you have to have big picture but you know music is about all a lot of times it's all about small the small picture and it thrives on the small picture you know um i mean that kind of that kind of lifestyle will send a functioning well-adjusted person into rehab or into into a hospital i mean it, it that kind of lifestyle like that like the timeline that you just laid out it's just it it, it it's you really have to be strong to to do it and then let's not let's not let's talk about another fact like sort of like side to the issue is how do you remain engaged and inspired yeah so, okay yeah we're done with tour let's take two weeks off we got to get get together and write another record how the fuck is that process inspirational I, I, or, or how do you get inspiration from it to make something good the second, third, fourth time around, right? That's hard. Yeah, I, I think when you put that, it's like it's putting a cart in front of the donkey. You're not going to get the returns that you, you hope for when you put, you know, just the idea of just keep churning, churn and burn and trying to get things out and at the expense of like, you know, some stillness, some kind of, getting getting away from what you've been working on incessantly for you know years um you know it it's the i you know the thing is is that guy i'm always happy when someone pass away i always i'm never sad about it because i feel like they especially if i'm thinking about them then they've contributed something to my life that i'm very thankful for so and they and with musicians and entertainers they usually leave something behind and peter green has left a lot of great music behind and it's he and sure it, does he it, sure has and it's it's something that i've listened to to my dying days because it's something that gives me great joy and something that he's uh he's singular there's not anyone that i say oh he plays like peter green i peter green plays like bb king says peter green plays like peter green that's who it reminds me of. So, and and I think that's why this one was tough for me a little bit. Just thinking about it, not making the playlist. I made the playlist like two weeks ago. We added on to it, but right. we, you know, I made it a long time ago. Uh, I think that's what was tough for me, and I maybe I didn't do a great job of articulating at the beginning of this of the oh, conversation. Fine. Well, yeah, well, here's what I'm saying. I, it's because he's so he's revered so much by both of us, right? By right. you, by you, by me, and that's important and when that happens that's important to me but it and it's and it but it's also daunting i want to make sure i give it the proper attention reverence you know all the right. everything that that makes these conversations what you know what they should be and i think if everyone if you listen to the playlist you'll see it because it's it's a it's it covers a lot of ground it shows the the range of the man's genius and actually through as, as uh, tony said there's a couple post peter green uh songs on there and you can see what kind of direction whereas more uh, uh danny kerwin was leading the band and those that's interesting stuff too uh but let us know what you think uh 
autoreversepod at gmail.com. You know, tell us what you think. Uh, we certainly love making this stuff, especially stuff on people like who we revere. But if you have someone who you think we don't, we have, we missed, or someone who needs a little bit of the auto reverse treatment, please let us know. Definitely. All right. Peace. Peace to you guys. Peace.